Welcome everybody, I'm Derek Arden and welcome to Monday Night Live, this time on a Tuesday for a very good reason, which I won't go into now. Today I've got Will Kintish with me. Will's a great friend of mine, a professional speaker, an author, and uh, the UK's number one expert uh, on networking. But we're not going to talk specifically about networking today. We're going to talk about social anxiety and how to destroy the... Um, the issue of um, social phobia. So welcome, Will. Thanks so much for joining me and joining us. And uh, what is social phobia? What is social anxiety? Okay, everybody. So fortunately for me, social phobia is a bit like a pandemic. Pandemic? Is that the right word? Pandemic, yes. Uh, it is rumoured that somewhere between 20, 30% have it. And what it is, it refers to the fear of being scrutinised and judged whilst performing some task in public, in other words, talking to people. Social anxiety describes feelings of intense nervousness and self-consciousness that sufferers experienced during maybe one-to-one -one meetings or group social gatherings. And over the last 20 years, I've been showing people basically how to overcome these fears, how to work a room. I don't know whether a lady called Susan Rowain invented the phrase, how to work a room. She claims she did, but that doesn't matter. But I've been showing people how to overcome their phobias about walking into that room. Even last week, I'm proud to announce that I presented at the Savoy to a group of mature accountants, lawyers, bankers, investment managers, and I asked them how did they feel? And again, somewhere between 30 and 40% of them said they had this fear, they had that fear. So what I'd like to do now is put you into breakout rooms, and I'm, uh, I think Derek's allowed me to, uh, to run this session, and I'm going to appoint a team captain. And the team captain, all your job is to collect views on whether any people have got social phobia about walking into that room. Now, it may well be that you've all got a blank canvas. Maybe none of you have got any fears or concerns whatsoever. But without me uh, putting you into the breakout rooms to find that out, I'm not going to know that. So we have 16 people on here. I'm going to create um, three breakout rooms. Uh, we'll only be there for three minutes. So in room one, John Baker, will you lead the discussion? In room two, Jill, will you lead the discussion? And in room three, uh, Godfrey, will you read, uh, lead the discussion? And all I want you to do is to ask people if they have any fears or concerns when they go to events, and if so, what they might be. So it's as simple as that. We're going for four minutes. Team captains, please write it down. And I'm now going to open the rooms and let's see how we go. I like that, thank you. That, that, that's your area of expertise. Thank you for that. Jill, um, anything different from your team? Yes, we had um, uh, um, 
one person concerned about how they may be received and how, how they may be welcomed based on kind of who they were or how who they appeared to be. Yes. Um, others who are surprisingly uh, said they were pathologically shy and found that um, they had to work really, really hard and had different yeah. strategies for dealing with that. Yeah. Some strategies were um, talking lots. Others were to avoid um, social situations. Yeah, yeah um, avoid. And then work hard on being out there. Yeah, I love We it. had a couple who um, were, didn't really, um, so they didn't, didn't have an issue at all. We were, were very confident and could... Uh, engage in, in, in um, other people, no problem at all. I like to hear that too. Not too many of them, because if everybody was like that, I'd, I'd be selling Big Issue on Piccadilly Station, wouldn't I? <laughs> if nobody had any fears at all. Uh, okay, thank you. And finally, Godfrey, any, any news from your team? Uh, well, slightly different angles, yes. Uh, the first comment was, don't like being put on the spot um, and don't like going first. And uh, this person was invited to go first to give their view, which was quite interesting. Um, uh, we also had, it's probably much better and okay if we know the subject. Um, mostly uh, we like meeting people and that made the situation okay, but better if you knew the subject. And then we had, um, Sometimes it can be daunting going into a new social environment where you don't know anybody to the point where you might even be tempted to turn around and walk back out the room unless you <laughs> are really persuaded to stay. And um, uh, finally, um, pretty confident all around. So a whole spectrum, really. I have a large list here, which we're not going to get through. Otherwise, we'll be here until dinner tomorrow night. The, uh, thank you, everybody. The three headline fears that I've collected over the last 20 years is fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, and fear of failure. Some of you have seen this before. Some of you have never seen it before. It's my piece de resistance. And let me show it to you. If this is to cover fear of the unknown. And maybe um, if you guys do know this, maybe you can share it with your family, your friends. Every room you've ever been in and every room you're ever going to go into for the rest of your lives only ever has six types of groups of people. You have six groups, three open groups, and three closed groups. Please believe me, wherever you're sitting, whether you're in Texas or whether you're in Thames Valley, you have the individual, the open couples who stand like that, the closed couples stand like that, the open threes, bottom left-hand corner, the closed threes, halfway up to the right, they're in triangles, and the bigger groups of four or more. So my advice is that when you walk into a room, if you particularly if you don't know anybody, analyze the room and you're clever enough to work out that approaching groups in closed format is generally not the best group because subconsciously those people have put a ring around themselves and have said, stay out for the moment. 
And for those, one person said, and it doesn't matter who he or she was, I'm pathologically shy. I'm forced to go, I have to go. Well, that person and millions of other people, the best advice I can give to you is get there early. By getting there early, you're immediately in command and control of the whole situation. If it's a hosted event, the host will talk to you. If the hosts are not very good at it, you'll find somebody on their own. And what I want you to do is just go up to them, smile at them, good eye contact, and simply say, please may I introduce myself? <clears throat> please may I join you? Or what I do, I simply go up to someone and say, hello, my name's Will. And if it's Amy, Amy will say, hello, I'm Amy. And it's as simple as that. And then you do the icebreaker. The icebreaker question, in my opinion, even if it's a business event, should never be, what do you do? Business, in my opinion, always comes second. The question I'd like you to ask is something you have in common with that complete stranger. Where have you traveled from tonight, Amy? So if it's a conference, what made you come to the event? Or if we're at the Savoy Hotel, which I was at the other day, I would say, wow, isn't this a magnificent place? Have you been here before? So it's as simple as that, the icebreaker question. And let me tell you this, and this is fact, the later you get to an event, the more there will be the red formatted groups, obviously, because people will have come in, they might know other people, and getting there late, for the introvert has to be the worst situation in the world. You'll agree with that, Mr. Baker, I trust. So getting there early is a, my advice. Fear of rejection. Will anyone talk to me? Well, I'm sorry I have to say this. I don't care if nobody talks to you because your job as a networker, as a relationship builder, is to go and talk to them. Because the third one is fear of failure. And for me, the fear of failure is turning up an event and wasting your time. And for me, wasting your time means either A, not talking to anybody, or B, it means finding somebody you already know and spending the whole evening or afternoon or morning talking to them. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I will always start an event talking to the person I know because it makes it so easy uh, to begin with. But how do we get rid of people? Let me introduce you to the concept of parking people and dumping people. How do we get rid of people? It's pretty obvious to you that when a conversation comes to an end, it's obvious to you and it's obvious to them. You're both thinking exactly the same thing. How do I get out of here? Well, you can do it the impolite way, which I call dumping, or you can do it in the polite way, which is offering them an option. Dumping people means that you say to them, well, Amy, it's nice to have met you. Will you excuse me? I'm going to get a drink. 
or it's nice to have met you, I've seen my friend Derek over there. That, in my opinion, is definitely not the right way to do it unless Amy's body language has said to me, Will, and she starts looking over her shoulder, and she's taller than me, so she can. If her body language is saying to me, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore, that is the time that I will excuse myself and leave her to it. But most of the time, people are courteous and polite. So what I will do, Amy, is, Amy, would you, I'm going to get a drink. Would you like to come with me? Amy, I've seen my friend Derek. Can I introduce you? Where I see the foods come out. Nine times out of ten, Amy will not come with me because she's realised she's had enough of Will Kintish. So she will go off and go and find somebody else. But I've been very polite and courteous to her. Now, what happens, everybody, if there isn't a Derek in the room? Let's assume that Amy knows no one and Will Kintish knows no one. Are you ready for this, everybody? This is your get out of jail card for free. I'll simply say, Amy, shall we go and mingle? I don't know, uh, Tim, I don't know whether mingle works across the pond. It works across the pond. Shall we go and mingle? And what you do, you take Amy with you and you look for an open two or an open three and you go and join them and you say, please may we join you. Simple as that. Now, how do we get rid of a group? I call this the multiple dump. Are you ready for the multiple dump, everybody? <laughs> you're, you're in a group of people and they're all talking about American football and we're on, only interested in English soccer. So what do we do? Well, I'll tell you what I do. I scan everybody's eye. I look round them and I say well everyone will you excuse me and I disappear because if they're all talking American football they're not interested in what I'm doing anyway so again I don't want to waste my time and I will move on it's as simple as that in this world I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you in this world there are only 10 rude people at events. That's the good news. The bad news is that one of them generally appears at every event. And what do these rude people do? Number one, they say inappropriate things. Number two, uh, and I think it came from John's team, they just talk and talk and talk and don't give anyone else a chance or they look over your shoulder, or they just misbehave in all aspects. Anybody who is rude, that is a signal for you to just say, well, it's nice to have met you even though it wasn't, will you excuse me and disappear and leave them to it. Um, some of the words I've written down here about questioning about questioning all of us get asked questions where perhaps we're asked questions on the spot or we're asked a question that we don't know the answer to most of my work is with young professionals and you know what they've told me 
they'd rather not go to an event because they're worried about being inverted commas found out. In other words, they're worried about thinking that they're not as good as other people in the room. And the only advice I can give to people is, if you're a nice person, if you're courteous, polite and respectful, you've as much right to be in that room as everybody else. Please walk into that room just before you walk in. Give yourself a good talking to. And if you are asked a question that you don't know the answer to, use the TED, the TED acronym. The T stands for, I'm sorry, I don't understand that. Can you tell me a bit more about it? The E stands for, can you explain to me what you mean? I've never come across that. And the D stands for describe. I'm sorry, I should perhaps know this, but I don't know the answer. Can you describe to me what you're talking about? And I believe that people take us seriously. People respect us when we don't know. We put our hands up. And sometimes I'm very cheeky. In fact, no, I'm not. I'm always cheeky. And I will ask, thank you, John. I will ask people very, very personal questions or intimate questions if I want to know, if I'm genuinely interested. And I'll say, John, I'm gonna ask you a personal question now. If you don't want to tell me, I won't be insulted. So I warn people that I'm gonna ask them a, a personal question or a sensitive question. The worst that can happen is they'll say no. Simple as that. I'm just looking at my, my notes here. Someone says they don't know anyone when they walk into a room. I know that if I'm going to an event and I don't know anyone, I will do my damnedest to get there early. Because you know what? As I'm uh, beginning to bring this uh, little talk to an end, I probably have got social phobia as well because I hate walking into that room where all I ever see is red formatted groups. So the strong advice I give to anybody is plan your diary so that if the event starts at six o'clock, you're there at 10 to six. And before I hand back to Derek, can I quote you a lady, American lady, I'm sure most of you have heard of her. If you've heard of the thumb me up, lady called Maya Angelou. Anybody heard of Maya Angelou? Most of you. As you know, very famous lady wrote, wrote five autobiographies. What a life she had. She came out with many, many famous quotes. And the one I often finish my talk with is bullseye relevant to networking because networking is simply building relationships. Too many people think it's selling, it's marketing, it's promotion. And I say, no, it's not. You go to an event to start a relationship. And what Maya Angelou said is, as I look back over my life, she died in 2014. I've forgotten what people said to me. I often forgot what people did to me, but I never forgot how people made me feel. Now you think about that. If you want to start a relationship and do business with people, 
when you make them feel bad, they'll never forget it. They'll never recommend you and they'll never want to do business with you. On the other hand, when you make them feel good, the opposite happens. So networking, in my view, in the early stages, is nothing to do with business. It's just to do with good behavior, courtesy and respect. So as I hand back to you, Derek, for those of you who are nervous, the best advice I can give you is to get there early and focus on them, ask great questions. When you went to school, when we all went to school, we were judged on the quality of our answers. It was called exams. In the world of networking, the world of relationship building, we're judged on the quality of our questions. I'm Will and I'm done. Back to you, Derek. Well, thanks very much indeed. Usual round of applause for Will, please, from the um, Monday Night Chat Show. Thank you so much, Will. You're just a mine of information, which is really helpful. I know, just look, I'm looking at the gallery view now. I know that the uh, regulars on uh, Monday Night Live are uh, good networkers, don't maybe get phobia, but I think we do sometimes, don't we? Because I remember going to a networking event and turning round, you just... You, um, you reminded me I was feeling a bit tired, I had a long day, I had a briefcase full of work and I thought, I don't know what I'm doing here. It was a Barclays head office in 54 Lombard Street and I just turned around before I went into the room because they all looked like what you described. I think that's the, uh, they were all red, all groups of four red and I just didn't fancy barging in. So there's so much things there. But the other thing I wanted to say to the people here and the people watching this on YouTube and listening to it, on the negotiators podcast is we need to help other people we need to help other people you were actually talking about the imposter syndrome i think which is that psychological phenomenon that uh, people talk about these days when you don't feel quite um good enough to be there and of course lots of young people get that even though they just need their confidence uh, building up and i was talking to patricia fripp the other day and she said some of the coaching i do and she gets paid a lot of money for coaching, is just giving people the confidence that they're on the right track. So this word confidence keeps coming up, doesn't it? And it has the word con at the front of it. So uh, the more help we can give people conning themselves to be more confident, that's. The first question I want to ask you is, uh, and I want to encourage people to put questions in the chat box, whether they're gonna you know, pass these tips on to their uh, kids, grandkids, nephews, nieces, um, etc. is do introverts have more of a problem networking than extroverts? And we've got the number one speaker on introversion and extroversion on here, John Baker. So maybe we can answer a question for John as well. Over to you, Will. I don't John, you better oh, come in. Oh, we've gone very quiet. Sorry. He's gone quiet. Oh, sorry. I flummoxed him with the question. I've beaten him with a question. I didn't think it would ever happen either, Derek. No, it's John, John, you and I have had many discussions about this, but would you share yeah. with us all what you believe is the primary difference between the, let's not use the word introvert and extrovert, between the, the more competent person and the, perhaps the shyer, quieter person when they go to events? What do you think is the big difference? Well, I, I am going to use the word introvert because I think that's an important one. Okay. Uh, because I think I'd, I'd make a big distinction between being introverted and shy. So I'm going to pull those okay. two 
pull okay. those two completely apart. Um, so the introvert and networking thing, two issues for me around, around that, which make some introverts maybe not want to be as effective as they could be. However, it's simple answer to Derek's question. There's no reason why introverts shouldn't be as good a, if not better, networker than extrovert. So the two things I think are relevant. Firstly is energy, uh, where many introverts or introverts generally will be de-energized spending time with people. So I'll give you a quick example. If I know that I'm going to feel de-energized by doing something, I've got to have a bloody good reason for why I would want to do it in the first place. So I've got to build myself up a bit. And the second one is introverts tend to think to talk, whereas extroverts tend to talk to think. So if I ask Will a question, generally speaking, Will will fly an answer back out there, which is brilliant. If Will asks me a question, generally I'll stop and I'll go, ooh, think. Now, the downside to that in a networking environment, if you've got a cluster of three or four people, is quite often the, the introvert can be perceived as uh, being slightly slow or being slightly arrogant for exactly the same thing. And so again, you, you can, it's easy to build up that picture in advance and many introverts don't like networking for that reason. But the simple answer is they're probably better because they actually listen. John, when I, when I get a group of people who admit that they struggle with it, I have to say to them every time, you introverts, and I don't like the word, always make the better networker because you listen. And if you listen and spot a potential opportunity, I want you to follow it up. The, the extrovert, when he or she goes home to their partner and the partner says, so what did you learn tonight? Of course, the extroverts learn nothing because they've been doing that the whole time. So I agree with you, but the, the hardest job, of course, John, is for you and I to convince the introvert that they can be the better networker. Yeah, that, that, that can have its challenges at times, but, but as I say, generally I've found that it's by separating out some of the, the overlapping issues and the two that always come back to me is that energy and that that talk to think and that and it's about being aware of it and the more you think about it in advance the more the less daunting and the less of an issue it can become john another thing you and i have talked about is and if don't let me put words in your mouth it's very unhealthy and with covid about it can be terrible but um when i get home from an event or even a one-to-one now i'm in london i'm meeting people for coffees and uh networking in the local park. When I get home, my wife says, I can tell you've had a wonderful time. You've been out networking, you're full of energy. So when I go to an event like at the Savoy the other day, I keep bragging about that, uh, I get home and I'm on a high. Whereas when you get home, you tell me you have to go and lie down with a cold cloth over your head. Absolutely. I, I, I want to sit quietly and recover. And um, yeah, none, none of this talking bits. I just want to Actually, I can do it now. That's it. I can. Yeah. Can I just say, um, Will, I agree entirely with what you just said because I think my wife, who's on the line, would say that if I've had, if I've been out and I've had a, a really sociable time, I feel very energized. And for me, it's about if I'm with interesting company, it's about sparking off and learning from other people as well. So, you know, it's a bit like a. Uh, it can be a session whereby there's mutual benefit in that we're sparking ideas off each other. And I think, I think that's very stimulating. 
But I mean, going back to your point, when I was the chief constable, I used to try and go to community meetings early. And um, for the very reason that you've articulated, and I used to talk to people and it made it much easier then when you were on stage trying to justify your crime figures to actually get away unscathed at the end of the meeting with some credibility. You know, so it made it much more difficult if you if you were able to form a relationship with people as they joined the event, for those people to be really difficult with you when you're on the stage explaining, you know, the performance of the organisation. Uh, and it created goodwill, which, you know, is always worth banking, almost like putting a deposit in a bank. Then you can draw upon it you know, when you need to draw upon it. So going early and and taking the initiative. And the other thing as well is that people are afraid sometimes to uh, challenge people they perceive to be either figures of authority or more senior or more um, intellectually gifted, etc. And so the onus is, I've always seen that the onus is really on uh, very often you know, the leader to, to actually say, it's okay, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, John, whenever I'm speaking at an event, I'll be there first, or if I'm not there an hour before the event starts, then I'm late. And yeah. I, will, I will try and get to talk to a lot of people, A, for the same reason that, I, that, that I'm not looking like standing I'm in, on the ivory tower in my, on, on the stage and I get to know the people. And also, I don't know whether you felt the same, you often pick up some, some very useful tips. You can say, yeah. when I was talking to George over there, do you know, he said da 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 da. So again, it, it sort of adds a bit of color to, the, to the, your talks. Yes. I used, to, I used to say to officers on patrol, you know, if they were, if they were standing in threes and fours, in a crowd situation, I'd say split yourselves up and mingle with the crowd. Because in effect, what, what they were doing is becoming a target. But if you're in the crowd, talking to the crowd, you're not a target, you're part of the crowd. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, Will, we're going to close. I'm going to close the recording now, but will you stay on and answer questions? Uh, I, I, I will, but before we do that, I have a gift for you all. Uh, the first principle of relationship building is to be kind, is to share and to give. And what I'm giving you here, everybody, is a link to my private website. And there's tons, of, it's only stuff I give to people um, after I present it to them. Here it is. Um, Look at it at your leisure, share it with your friends, your family, your children, your grandchildren. It includes a work, a, a three or four minute working the room a video showing people how to get in and out of groups, all the questions to ask. It's a summary of my three hour workshop in, in just a few pages. So I just hope you find that useful. And I'd like for the, uh, the recording, Derek, that uh, people understand that if you're in the advice giving business, don't be mean with your advice. The more you tell, the more you eventually sell. So that's my final words in this recording. Thank you for inviting me. Fantastic, Will, and thank you for uh, your wisdom. 
which is appreciated. And am I allowed to uh, read out that um, URL for people watching this on YouTube or the podcast? Or they need, do they need to go to your website for it? No, okay. they won't find it. They won't find it. It's only for people here tonight. Okay, it's only for people here tonight. Remember, the name's Kintish, Will Kintish. Thank you for joining us on the uh, on Monday Night Live. And I look forward to seeing you next week when we've got the internet psychologist, Graham Jones, with us. Thanks once again, Will. And the usual uh, round of applause, please, for Will Kintish.